0: To love Curvy Yoga, the podcast that's all about the intersection between yoga and body acceptance. Today, my guest is Dr. Linda Bacon. Dr. Bacon's book, Health at Every Size The Surprising Truth About Your Weight, was a really life changing read for me. And I know I've heard that from many friends and students too. So I really feel very grateful for the work that she's doing and believe that it's shifting the paradigm around weight stigma. So I am so glad that you're here with us today. Welcome, Dr. Bacon.
1: Oh, thank you, Anna.
0: So I wanted to start off asking a question about you. I'm curious about what your relationship was like with your body as a younger person.
1: Okay. Um, Well, my relationship was really quite conflicted. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, um, as I was very young, uh, it was actually very fluid, and I was quite athletic, and sports were really important to me. But as I got older and older... I learned all of these cultural rules about what a body's supposed to look like, and my body didn't quite fit all of those norms. And over time, I started to develop a very conflicted relationship with my body, feeling like it was, um, um, it was giving a different message than I wanted it to be. There are many times throughout my life where I felt like I was too fat and that there was something wrong with being fat and that if only I could get a thinner body, I would... Um, be more respected, and get more attention in the world. Mm. So tension certainly built over time, which is what eventually led me to the Health at Every Size movement.
0: Mm. Now, for people listening who might not be familiar with Health at Every Size, could you tell us what it is?
1: Sure. Um, well, there are three basic principles that I've broken Health at Every Size down that I think is, uh, comfort- is a good framing for it. The first is we start from this idea of body respect, that we recognize that people come in all different shapes and sizes, and we need to honor that kind of diversity and, in fact, appreciate it. Um, so size acceptance is certainly a big part of the message. Mm-hmm. Another aspect of Health at Every Size is that is helping us to develop critical awareness of our world. Because... The culture outside us doesn't have that same appreciation for different bodies. There's a lot of judgment that goes on and rules about what you're supposed to look like. And this is even something that the health industry plays a large role in by policing bodies and saying that there are certain bodies that are going to be healthier and better, which incidentally we'll see is not at all based on science. So the second aspect that I'm talking about with Health Every Size is having that critical awareness that we can challenge the scientific and cultural assumptions around weight and see that they haven't been helpful or supportive in developing better sense of well-being or health among people, Mm -hmm. and that we also value people's body knowledge and their lived experiences. Um, As an individual, I know a lot more about what I need to eat, about um, how many calories and how much energy is going to get me through my day than any scientist can tell me with their calorie charts or ideas of right foods and wrong foods. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So an aspect to Health at Every Size is supporting people and keying into their lived knowledge and recognizing that they they are the own experts of their own body. Um, And another aspect of this critical awareness is to recognize the social injustice um, and that Um, our ideas about fat people, for example, sets people up for disadvantage and oppression, and that in itself is a very strong health hazard. I would imagine that much of the stuff that we blame on obesity can actually be blamed more on fat stigma, that when you live in a world where you're constantly treated as a second-class citizen, you don't feel good about yourself, there's a a stress response a chronic stress response that develops that then plays a role in all the diseases that we then later blame on weight itself as opposed to weight stigma hmm and the third aspect the last aspect that I want to highlight about health at every size is what I'd like to call compassionate self-care mm-hmm. where we just support people in moving more towards um, kind of a non-judgmental attentiveness or mindfulness of their body and their needs. And using this to um, make choices around eating and movement and other self-care strategies that just help to support their bodies in feeling good.
0: Yeah, and um, it feels like this is such a connection with the yoga piece, especially that last one. I'm wondering how movement comes into... Health at every size, like the approach.
1: Sure. Well, um, certainly all of our listeners are aware that being more active in our bodies is something that can be really um, quite healthful and contribute a lot to well being and just a general sense of satisfaction in the world. I don't mm-hmm. think that's up for dispute. Right. But the old model of, of, exercise is usually that it was about weight control, and that was the approach that people always had.
0: Um,
1: And um, one of the things that I love about yoga is that um, that's a form of being in your body that's less, um, that people aren't motivated as much for weight concerns when they come into yoga, because it's not as cardiovascularly um, involving as some other types of movement. Right. right. Yeah. But still, right. I think a lot of people do approach yoga as a way of trying to shape their bodies in a certain way.
0: Yeah, but, definitely.
1: Right. But what I appreciate, but the health of every side's approach to movement is more to find movements that just help us to feel good in our bodies and to feel just a better sense of embodiment, and more well-being, um, as opposed to trying to do it to shape ourselves or to lose weight. Um, And yoga certainly provides incredible opportunity for people to just kind of reconnect with, um, you know, feeling the different parts of their body and um, connecting with themselves more.
0: And what I find really interesting about that is how your work really shows that not only is that something that sort of like feels good in the sense of, oh, yeah, I feel good today, but also has physical health benefits when you're coming from this um, health focus rather than weight control focus. Is that right?
1: Definitely. And the research is also showing that it's much more sustainable, that when people start to feel better and more connected to their bodies, then they continue to do their practices because it feels good and because they want to as opposed to because they think they should.
0: Right. Yeah, I never stuck with any of my – jazzercise or whatever I was doing when I was um, focused on dieting, that's for sure.
1: Right. And I, I think another aspect of yoga that sometimes comes in is an incredible sense of community. You mm. know, you go to a yoga class and you're with other people that are doing the same thing. It, um, You just feel this great sense of connectedness. And you also get the opportunity to see the diversity of bodies and how they move and kind of appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's something that keeps you connected with your practices too, because there's right. some motivation to kind of go and be
1: with your people. Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So among people who are kind of already interested in body acceptance, what's been the reaction to your book, health at every size? Um,
1: the reaction has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I get so much fan mail and enthusiasm. So many people talking about how the book has just transformed their life and kind of giving them permission to just kind of accept themselves more. Yeah. And it's really exciting. And, you know, I'm just coming off of a speaking tour all summer and I feel like I get treated like such a rock star. You know? it, it, <laughs> I love <it's>, it. <laughs> yes. It's, it's very, very exciting to see that. Yeah. Um, and I should also say that, There's a flip side to that, which is a much smaller reaction, but, um, it also, um, has met up with, um, some animosity. Mm -hmm. And I got to say that the more that I, um, I connect up with these people who are saying hateful comments about me and my book, like I was just thinking, um, I got this email not too long ago and, um, the guy basically said, you killed my mother um and wow. you know he went on and on and his point was by making it more acceptable for people to be in larger bodies um i allowed her to get in this state which and she eventually died of her fat hmm. and you know it's uh, to be hit with that kind of vitriol you
0: know yeah to that's intense. Is pretty
1: intense yeah you know and but i stopped to just think about what it's like for that guy i mean He's obviously in a lot of pain. He must have loved his mother a lot, and um, and um, he's missing her, you know, and he wants to make sense of her death. Right. Um, and I imagine, too, there's a sense of not wanting other people to die like she did. So if he could stop people like me, he believes he can create a better life for other people.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, of course, there's faulty reasoning all along the line, right? (laughs) Right. You know, like fat doesn't equal poor health, and, you know, people don't die from um, being too fat, and, you know, and my book doesn't make people fat. I mean, of course, we can dissect all of that, but, you know, the, the big point I'm just trying to make here is that for people to give up on the whole fantasy, that if only we do the right things, like we eat in the right way and exercise in the right way. We will get a thinner body and we will have great health, be accepted by everybody. You know, everybody's going to want be attracted to us. You know, the list comes on, goes on and on about all the magical thinking that we associate with um, dieting and thinner bodies.
0: Right. And as though there's um, never been an unhealthy thin person.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You know? And so, um, it makes like, it makes sense that there's also going to be resistance to my words because it destabilizes people's lives to realize that number one, there may not be an easy path to happiness. You know, it may not work. It Mm -hmm. doesn't work. You know, we know that the vast majority of people, for example, that, um, lose weight, eventually regain it, and they lose all the health benefits that happened all the way, and it might actually worsen their health um, mm-hmm. for having gone through it. Right? So it, we know that it doesn't work, for example. Um, but nonetheless, people are clinging to this because they've been taught that, um, you know, this is what's going to save them from their pain. Right. So. I get why there's going to be resistance, and I also get particularly why there's resistance from professionals mm-hmm. because most most health professionals like dietitians or physicians for example have been trained to think that if only my patients do exactly what I tell them to do to eat this amount or um, you know do this kind of exercise then they will be healthy and I will have succeeded in my job right and so, it can be very threatening for them to have to face the fact that no, you know, all the things they've been taught to do aren't really being effective. And in fact, may have caused a lot of damage. You know, when you tell people to diet, you support them in kind of dysregulating their body so that their body can't effectively manage weight as effectively if they've been, so they've shut off all the signals that tell them what to eat and when to eat and start. Following their dietitian's rules, right. So what we see is that then healthcare practitioners have to acknowledge that they and their professions have actually done a lot of damage, um, and there's a grieving process that goes along with that. Yeah, that's and, a
0: lot to process.
1: Yeah, and I can I can understand why people are going to be resistant to this message. It's so much safer to kind of stay in that world where we just do what our profession tells us to do. And we get support for it um, and to kind of think that now oh, everything I've been taught is just wrong and damaging um, can be really quite threatening so we're not taught critical thought in our culture and we're not we're taught that that's not okay you know that there are rules of our profession that we're supposed to follow so I can understand why this is really challenging and um, I appreciate the I appreciate that when people are really resistant and have difficulty with this message, I appreciate trying to follow the emotional connection for why they might be so invested in their belief system and what this might challenge for them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, So, you know, I try not to take their resistance personally, and I try to see personally what it's like for them and if there's a way that I can kind of help them to get where they want because whether someone's resistant or whether they're a big fan you know the big issue is that size acceptance is and owning our bodies is something that we're all kind of striving for and we all just want to figure out how do we do that well right
0: is there a group of medical professionals that are more um, open to your message or do you feel that it's just people in like different pockets of people in different um, specializations?
1: Well, in every profession, there's definitely pockets of people. And there's a really wonderful organization called ASDA, the Association for Size, Diversity and Health. Mm-hmm. It's a HACE Professionals organization and it brings all of these people together. Um... And I found, yes, that there's varying degrees of buy-in and resistance from different professions. And um, I found, for example, that um, psychologists and psychotherapists tend to be the ones that are most easily amenable to this, Mm. that, um, you know, they deal so much with food and weight and body preoccupation as a starting point Right. Um, that it's easy for them to grab onto the idea that people take better care of themselves when they start from self-love.
0: Mm, right. Right.
1: So I find that profession, it's a little bit easier to find my way in, it makes more sense. Um, which is not to say that it's uh, accepted across the board, in fact, many of the psychologists working in eating disorders these days are still working around the whole idea of we need to control somebody's food, mm, um, right. and there, and many of them also are, are viewing obesity as an eating disorder, even though it's not in their manual that they're supposed to look at it that way. Right. Many of them think when they see a heavier body that that person is doing something wrong, and um, so they'll prescribe different ways of eating, whether they're working with a fatter person or a thinner person, um, and... You know, they don't get that anyone can have an uncomfortable relationship with food and that it's not related to body size. Right. So anyway, psychologists, I think, tend to be most amenable, but not, you know, there's still challenges there.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I would say um, that, well, my biggest fans are the dietitians, and yet the dietetics field as a whole – has been most resistant to the health at every size message.
0: Huh? How interesting.
1: So I have, you know, all of the rebels who are recognizing (laughs) that what their field is doing right now is just so not wrong, you know, and they're dealing with their professional disquiet. Mm -hmm. They feel a a lot of connection with health at every size, and that's really wonderful. But the profession as a whole is still completely anti-size acceptance, and it's all and it's mostly about trying to help people control their eating. you right. know the dietitians have set themselves up at, as the experts on what to eat and they're telling everybody as opposed to working with a model to help support people in figuring out what's right for them. How many
0: um, you- Oh sorry go ahead.
1: And it's also interesting to me too to see that most people that go into dietetics, as a field often do that because food has food and weight have been such struggles for them and they go into the fiel- field trying to learn about it. Uh, and, you know, so they also have their own personal struggles, which really get in the way of them being able to see the bigger picture. So again, you know, dietetics is the field that I think is the most challenging, um, For change. And it's also the field that is just so exciting in watching the kind of critical thought that is developing. Uh, There's a critical dietetics movement, in fact, that's amazing. I just came back from the Critical Dietetics Conference, and there are a lot of people that are starting to look at dietetics in a new way and finding that there's incredible possibility in the field as well.
0: Oh, that's great. So how do you recommend people find a Health at Every Size practitioner, whatever they might be looking for, medical professional?
1: Right. Well, community is certainly important, so I really encourage people to find others that are involved in this. And so one thing that I did was I founded the Health at Every Size community resources. Um, It's not my site, though. It's a community site, and there are other people that are involved. And basically it's a free website where – you can go there, and if you are um, doing work in the field, you can put yourself in a free database and tell people about the kind of work that you do. And if you're looking to make connections with somebody who's um, a Health at Every Size practitioner, it's a freely searchable database. So you can put in whatever you're looking for. You can put in things like yoga and, um, and Texas, and you'll get all of the um, yoga um, teachers in Texas and you'll get links to their websites and information about what they do so I really want to encourage everybody to make use of the Health of the Health at Every Size community resources um, whether you're a practitioner and want to make connections or want people to know what you do or whether you're looking to make connections, you'll find things there. It's at Hays Community. that's H-A-E-S community.org That's and great
0: and I'll link that up and the blog post too so y'all can check it out
1: that sounds great and then another great place to go is to the organization asda ww.size diversity um, wait www. size diversity and and that's the professionals organization and they also have a database of their members that you can search and see if you can find somebody that um, is a good connection for you.
0: That's great. Thank you so much. So you also have a new book coming out now. Congratulations. I'm co-written with uh, Dr. Lucy Affremore called Body Respect. I'd love to know where that's coming into the conversation.
1: Sure. I'm so, so excited about the book. It gets released in just a few days. Yay. And um, <laughs> it's called Body Respect. And the subtitle is What Conventional Health Books Get Wrong, Leave Out, and Just Plain Fail to Understand About Weight and um, I think the subtitle explains it well it basically challenges the old paradigm around weight it shows where um, it isn't based on good scientific evidence it also shows all the ways in which it furthers um, social injustice and it makes a strong statement calling for body respect And I think that this book is going to cross disciplines. I think it's a fantastic Mm -hmm. book for individuals who are struggling with their own weight concerns to learn a reframing and that it can be really inspirational and motivational for them to think about these issues. And I think it also can help health professionals figure out um, the basis for why we need to move more towards body respect instead of the body shaming that we see in the anti-obesity movement. And it gives them the scientific foundation to have confidence in what they do and also strategies on help to support others in making these kinds of changes. And I think it also is a great book to read on a public policy level so that Mm. we can get a better sense of how we need to move, change our framing about these messages if we really want to support people in good health. And one of the things that I think this book does really powerfully is it helps make the connections between personal behaviors and social justice issues. And Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to more explicitly make all of those connections. Because, you know, how people look at our bodies and um, it has played a huge role. And, And our access to power, you know, like if you're a thinner person, you have a lot more opportunities in the world. Uh, All of those issues play a huge role in how we view ourselves and what kind of choices we make to take care of ourselves. And the more we start to name all of that, that this is not a fair world, and, um, and to find our power in whatever our stigmatized body is and to support others in finding their power and reducing all of that stigma, that's when change comes in. So I'm very, very excited about the book, and I um, I, I was really pleased that we got Christopher um, Kennedy, who um, used to be one of the UN ambassadors for health, to write a quote, and what he said was, um, this book is going to change how you think about health forever.
0: Wow.
1: And I was pretty excited. That's our cover quote. Um, I got been, chills. <laughs> yeah, I know we've been getting incredible endorsements, but it's great to see somebody who's involved in such mainstream work to just recognize the need for a paradigm shift like this, and to feel like this book could actually um, help to make that happen is just um, humbling. And I'm, I'm so I'm very very excited about this.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to read it, and we'll definitely link up so everybody can get their copy as well. Um, I'm wondering. What you think is the most pressing work to be done around weight stigma right now? And it feels like you might have just spoken to that a little bit, but I wanted to follow up.
1: Yeah, well, I think always this has to happen on two levels. On the first level, of course, we need social change. You know, weight discrimination is not okay. We need to challenge all of those ideas and stereotypes around weight. Um, And I think another level is... um, that the people who are experiencing weight stigma also need more of a sense of support and, you know, more, um, like, it's hard to manage um, the constant stigmatizing attitudes that are thrown at us. And um, so I think um, we need to develop more of a sense of community That all bodies are okay we can celebrate our bodies and we can in fact um you know appreciate the diversity and how that makes us all different in the world and brings us different skill sets so i think on on both levels it needs to happen is you know figuring out what i'm calling stigma management for those people who are living um, Mm -hmm. in bodies that don't get respect in the world and you know it Coming to more of a sense of empowerment and joy around that, and that's why I so appreciate what you're doing for the field. Thank you. You know, know, you're you're such a fantastic role model for doing that kind of work. Um, You know, and that's got to happen alongside social change.
0: Uh, Yeah, and I really feel what you were saying about when I see myself and students and colleagues really finding that sense of um, I would say peace and acceptance in their body through something like yoga the power piece seems to come behind it like okay I can live in this body and there's some empowerment that comes through that and then the way that it manifests in the world including I think in social change is pretty incredible
1: definitely you know when I think about yoga I think about how Okay, so somebody could look at their thighs and think that their thighs are ugly and, you know, that's a source of problem for them in the world. But when you're doing yoga, instead you're feeling your thigh as your source of strength and Mm -hmm. you're relating to your body in a totally different way. It's now functional for you. Right. Um, And the more you have those experiences of just appreciating how your body can function, you develop a kinder relationship with it. And yoga can really help to push people over that edge of being able to accept their bodies and appreciate them more. Yeah, I think it speaks
0: to something that you were saying earlier about how you have to know your body in order to accept it. I talk about that a lot. It's sort of like getting to know a person. You can't really befriend them if you don't know them. And I think the same is true for your body And that yoga can really teach people what's actually happening in my foot right now? What am I feeling? Where's my breath? Um, And all of that brings that all together.
1: Right. And I also want to say that I think a lot of people feel like the health at every size movement is all about loving your body. And um, I think it's important to recognize that there's a huge difference between acceptance and love. Yeah. And that we should be shooting more for acceptance. love is certainly a possibility and that's wonderful when it develops but you don't just get there right? Um, and you're not there all the time you know yeah. you, you bounce back and forth and um but it's more just like acknowledging this is the body that i have you know this is what it does for me and just being able to appreciate that and um the love will flow at times and at times it won't be there. But if you could keep the focus on just like accepting what it is and what it can do, um, that allows a lot of other things to be able to follow afterwards.
0: I totally agree. People will often ask me, well, you don't have any issues with your body. You always love your body now. Right. And I'm like, no,
1: (laughs) but I can, but
0: I can see the shifts and I definitely feel the, What you were just talking about more acceptance more of the time
1: (laughs) right and just you know acknowledge the ambivalence you know it makes sense if you're uncomfortable in your body given this world that sets us up not to be and yes it is it is easier to be in the world when you're in a body that fits into the cultural beauty standards right right so it would make sense that some people don't want to live in larger bodies but regardless of that you, this is your body. Yes. You know? And making peace with that, you know, and feeling some sense of empowerment is a really important aspect, I think, of just well-being.
0: Yeah. Makes such a difference for me, for sure. Okay. So I know everyone's going to want to connect with your work immediately. So what I will share links, but what's the best way for people to find you?
1: The easiest way is to go to org. That's O-R-G, not com. Okay. And when you get to lyndabacon.org, you'll find links to everywhere else you need to be. Um, Dr. Afflemore and I have a joint website called biz, and um, that's where you can find out about workshops we do as well as our book, Body Respect. And um, – then I also encourage people to go to websites that aren't mine, like I talked about the Haste Community resources.
0: Yes, and ASDA. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and thank you for all your good work. I really appreciate what you're doing.
1: Thanks, Anna. You've been quite an inspiration to me, and I really appreciate being able to talk to you.
0: Thank you so much. And thanks to all of you for listening. We'll talk to you soon.